Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Coming up, we speak to Taylor Lawrence, the Royal Marine who's had a meteoric rise to the top of GB bobsleigh and is peaking just in time for the Winter Olympics. It's been a long time coming for this team. Um, there's been loads of injuries and loads of setbacks throughout the seasons. But yeah, it just seems this season that everything's sort of coming together at the perfect time. Everyone's fit, everyone's enjoying themselves. Um, and yeah, it's going to be an exciting time in Beijing. Now, military athletes have a long and successful history with bobsleigh. And Taylor talks about the pride of representing his country and the armed forces out there on the ice. It's awesome to see all these people that have come before us. And it just, especially as a military athlete, it just gives you that sort of drive and that kick. And obviously I speak to, I speak to John Jackson quite a bit and Sean Olsen um, and they they sort of give you their insights into what it was like and what to expect. But having that military background um, definitely brings that bit of pride. Um, and especially this year, going to have uh, a Royal Marine and a Parachute Regiment soldier. That's going to be pretty special um, in that sled. Such an exciting athlete, Jules. And I feel like there's so much more to come from Taylor in that in that chat, but also from him as a, a sportsman. You obviously did your research and, and looked into Taylor's sporting background, which included a high level of football and rugby. I'm always curious to find out where our bobsleigh athletes honed their skills because they have that explosive nature at the start of their event. And as you can see, or as you can hear later, Taylor has background in rugby union, particularly rugby sevens, and football, which I think we mentioned when we chat to him about winning the, the Royal Navy Cup final with his with the Royal Marines. So, yeah, he's 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 one of those athletes that we all... We're all rather jealous of, but um, well, that's only for me to say. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I reckon I, I can see you enjoying a gym session with those bobsleigh lot. What bringing them their water? <laughs> no, can, I can I help you, Mr. Lawrence? Can I help you? You'd well, learn a lot, Jules. That's what might, I'm saying. You might need to help me with this one, Taylor. It's quite heavy. Well, yeah, I tell I you what, actually. I don't, I don't want we should, to we advertise. Off. We, yeah, we should raffle off a prize. We should oh, see if these guys would take somebody to the gym and, and give them some top tips, maybe in their fallow season later in the summer they'll do that for us well i mean they have a gym right next to the push track um in at bath university which they use it's like a shed it's one of those classic like spit and sawdust sort spit and sawdust type gyms but um yeah perhaps that's an idea we should raffle off do let us know if you are interested in a gym session i haven't asked them yet but i'm assuming once they've had a successful olympics we yeah can, well uh... yeah if you want to train with a gold medal winner you can <laughs> yeah. at their shed we are that confident. Now, do stay with us for that chat with Taylor. Like I said, plenty of fascinating stories. And he also describes in detail how uncomfortable the bobsleigh is, which I think a lot of people, it's the sort of question that people would ask. And, and he's happy to answer that. Now, on the snow this week, we've seen more medals for forces sporting personnel. Just after we recorded this show last week, Brett Wild, Royal Navy and guide for visually impaired skier Millie Knight, of course. Well, they got gold and became world champions in the super combined in Lillehammer in Norway. And that's a good sign because, of course, they'll be going to the Paralympics, which follows the Olympics out there in Beijing. So um, good to see some fantastic well again peaking at the right time and i think millie has a really good competitive relationship with a fellow british skier mena fitzpatrick of who of course used to be guided by the army's jen kehoe is now being guided by katie guest but really they seem to be at the top of the podium the army's amanda lightfoot a gb biathlete who's already been to two olympics she sadly will not be going to beijing she missed out on qualification by just six points the army sergeant was aiming to be the first british athlete to compete in three successive winter olympics biathlons 
And the news that she hadn't been selected came just after she managed one of her best ever results in the 10k pursuit at the World Cup Biathlon in Slovakia. She spoke to John Knighton about that result and how she felt it should have been enough to get her to Beijing. It's my best race and best race and best position of my whole career. Kind of, you dream about it, you think about it. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's amazing. I mean, I was skiing. I've been skiing well enough to to get the, those positions many times. Um, just unfortunately. Um, I've let myself down the range a few times and missed those targets that, that make that perfect race. You know, on the lead up to this final sprint, <clears throat> I had um, really good top top ski times in all the races prior as well. It's, you know, sometimes athletes are just purely unlucky and, you know, these things happen and you have to you know, think of the positives to overcome them. And yeah, <laughs> it happens, doesn't it? Jules, I really feel for Amanda because we've we've both met her, we've interviewed her over the years. She has dedicated her life to this sport, but never quite sort of lived up to her potential, would you say? Or just there's so many other athletes from, from countries where biathlon is more of a, a natural sport that she's been up against it for all these years. Well, in some countries, it's their national sport, particularly Scandinavian countries. It's very difficult. Biathlon in this country gets no funding whatsoever, very little funding. And you'll find that the majority of those biathletes come from military backgrounds because they have the exposure to either exercises on snow where they can ski, do the cross-country skiing, and of course, the ability to shoot on the range. But interestingly, it is that shooting on the range that is costing our biathletes. That's what costs them dear. They don't quite have the ability to to hit those targets when they need to because of course in biathlon if you miss a target then you're penalized and you have to do an extra loop on the skiing so yes it, it is a heartbreak for her it is and she's not had an easy year as john sort of spoke to her in in his interview with her she's had a turbulent year with injury she broke her elbow coming off her bike but worst of all she lost her mum her biggest supporter at the start of 2021 and that's clearly what well, would have an impact on anyone but you know we we, she did also say she was going to continue, that whether or not she could push for another Olympics at, at this age, I don't know. But I think because she's made it her life, she doesn't, she wouldn't, she'd be welcome back in the army. But um, whether or not she, she just feels that this is what she wants to do and continue to do so. And with so little representation from Britain, she probably feels like she's flying the torch in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I feel for her. And I think the qualification quotas had sort of changed this year and sort of favoured the nations with, with more biathlon athletes and she did lose those points on the shooting range um, so as you say you know just lack of lack of uh, practice in that area um, but Jules you've been to see some army women's rugby this week so it feels like the season is sort of up and running and heading towards into services well you know how sort of celebrities have been following me around it's been a bit of a fallow week this week but I did go along <laughs> to the army women's rugby where I saw Welsh rugby international Beth Ann Dainton does that count I'm sure it does yeah because she's a she's a celebrity <laughs> you in knew her, her before she was famous well course. yes and that's what she says about me too and <laughs> it was wonderful to see her uh, back on the pitch in army colours this time because of course she's been doing the business for Harlequins in the women's premiership but she ran in four tries for the army against wasps amateurs so this is a great fixture for the army women as you say this will help them prepare for the inter-services so the army ran in 12 tries unopposed as I say Beth Ann Dainton taking the headlines with four of those tries and afterwards I spoke to their head coach Gemma Stonebridge-Smith about the victory. 
Uh, I think it's all to play for this year. We've got the, 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 the REF, obviously we've got a point to prove and I think we've demonstrated how well we're going to be able to prove that. And obviously with Navy, exciting first time on the, on the pitch at Twickenham. So both two really big fixtures and the girls are really excited. For you as head coach, you know, how much did it hurt to lose the title last time and how much hunger have you had to hold on to for these two years that have you know it's been a fallow two years with the with the pandemic yeah you know, of course it's nobody likes to lose uh, for the first time in the services but you know from what we've just seen there from that brand new group of girls i think it's it's helped us rebuild in a style of rugby that we want to play as the army going forward so um actually i take it as a positive now, it's 66 points to nil their victory against that Wasps amateur side. Do you think they're sick of being asked about the revenge match between them and the RAF? Because the RAF effectively have now been champions for two years because there was no inter-services last year. Well, it might be only us that's building it up as a revenge <laughs> match. I'm not sure the players see it like that. They'll, they'll just see it as another match that mm. they have to go out and win if they want to win the silverware. It was, a sh- was it a shock when they lost? I'm not sure that it was because the Royal Air Force have been building for such a long time. They've got some fantastic players. Sarah Bonner, a Scottish international who plays at Harlequins as well. They've got Lucy Nye, a scrum half. So the Royal Air Force have a very good team. But this was a chance to see the army and they have done pretty well when it's come to it comes to recruiting themselves. And they've got some raw talent that they managed to get out on the pitch to play some competitive rugby against Wasp amateurs. So really looking forward to that tussle. As you say, that'll be at King's home in is it March or April? That's when the tournament gets underway. It's a bit earlier this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Army-Navy, which we're going to go on and talk about, is um, the 30th of April. Um, but yeah, I think King's Home is probably two, either two weeks before that or a month before that. So we need to check on those dates. Um, but whilst we're on the subject, of course, the Army women will be facing the Royal Navy women at Twickenham for the inaugural, well, their inaugural match at the, at HQ. And of course, the men's game will follow that. Um, the tickets for that go on sale next month to serving and former members of the Royal Navy and the British Army. Both the men's and women's matches will be played at the stadium on the same day. That's the 30th of April for the first time ever. General sale tickets will be available from the 17th of February. Uh, Other sort of forces sports news. Uh, The lovely Kyle Dixon went along to see the RAF ladies football team who made a losing start, sadly, to 2022 at home to Wolves. With the inter-services coming up in March, the Air Force can look to continue their good form at the end of last year against challenging opposition. But despite winning their last three home matches, they were beaten 1-0. One nil, And on the other side of the Atlantic, um, two more forces boats have come in for the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Uh, of course, Atlantic Flyers arrived last Monday and they scored an overall second place in the race. Salty Sappers and Forces Atlantic have now also arrived. The Salty Sappers, made up of Royal Engineers, obviously, finished the race in 39 days, placing ninth overall, while Team Force Atlantic, a mixed team of two men and two women from the Royal Army Physical Training Corps, they crossed the finish line in 40 days, 23 hours and 57 minutes, becoming the fastest mixed force team to cross the Atlantic in history. BFBS, the Forces Station. This is Forces Sports. Well done for staying with us. I'm Kath Brazier and as ever, I'm joined by Julian Evans. Now, our guest this week is someone I think we've talked about almost every week so far on this podcast, but he is a winter athlete, so that does make sense. Royal Marine Taylor Lawrence burst onto the international bobsleigh scene in January 2020. He was called up as injury cover in late 2019 and he's made the number two position 
in Brad Hall's GB four-man sled, his own. And in just a couple of weeks, he'll be competing at his first Olympic Games. Jules and I spoke to him over Zoom last week when the GB team for Beijing 2022 was announced. So here's that conversation and a warning for you. It starts with an Evans dad joke. It does seem that the GB team seem to be peaking at the right time. Would you agree? It's Beijing, not peaking. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Obviously, we've um, it, it's been a long time coming for this team. Um, there's been loads of injuries and loads of setbacks throughout the seasons. But yeah, it just seems this season that everything's sort of coming together at the perfect time. Everyone's fit. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Um, and yeah, it's going to be an exciting time in Beijing. Taylor, you're one of those guys that us mere mortals are very jealous of because you're a natural at football. You're a Navy Cup winner. You're brilliant at rugby. So what drew you away from those traditional sports of football and rugby union to bobsleigh? Do you know what? It's one of those ones that bobsleigh is a sport I think a lot of people don't intend to go into. They just end up falling into it. But it's one of those sports that is just so unlike any other sport. Um, there's just so many different aspects to it. Um, it combines your sort of speed, your power, agility, um, and you can't really explain the experience of going down a track um, or even what it's like to crash or anything to do with the sport until you've actually competed in it. So it's just one of those ones that is so different. I thought I'd absolutely want to give it a go. And I think it's one of those sports that once you get into it, you just get the bug for it. Um, and I think a lot of people would agree that it's, it's quite a special sport to be a part of. Having seen you guys, not just you, but, you know, Nick and, and, and Brad and Greg and all the, the GB boys in, in the gym, do you love that part of it? Because the gym work is intense and it's very centred around that strength because the power obviously comes from you guys as brakemen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, obviously, when you're training with with big, strong guys as well, it motivates you to, to, to be the best you can. And I think a lot of people underestimate um, the size of some of the bobsay athletes that are there because they see the size of their sled and they wonder how these sort of six foot plus, hundred kilo plus guys all manage to cram in. Um, and it, it's never comfortable in there. But uh, yeah, one, once you're in, you're not getting out. Um, so it's pretty snug, especially with myself and Nick is two and three. Once we're in, we're not going anywhere until the end. You are yourself six foot four. But what I'm keen to know is that people might, might dismiss your role as just being pure ballast at the back of the bobsleigh. You're not driving. But what is your role? Because you do have a crucial role in the speed of that sled getting it to the bottom. What do you do? Yeah, no, absolutely. So obviously the three guys as brakemen, um, our main um our main job there is to get the sled, get the sled accelerated and get it off the block. Um and it's all about once you get it off the block, then you've got to then use your velocity in loading as well, because there's no point in getting it up to speed and then as you get it on, you're pulling the sled back or you're breaking it. So it's really important for every single person, even including the pilot, that when you load, you really need to load with some velocity and some power and then carry that, that momentum all the way down the track. Obviously, it's, it's a gravity-based sport. Um, so yeah, power off the block, get in. And then once you're in there, it's not about... A lot of people think that brakeman, um, you need to know the track to like lean and things like that, but it's not. It's a case of getting in and then just keeping still, um, especially as for myself at number two, because when I'm behind well, Brad, he almost uses my legs as a rest. So if I start wriggling around and I'm moving, obviously it's going to affect his driving. So especially for me, it's get in, hold on, and then just keep completely still, just allow him to focus completely on what he's doing. Armrest Taylor? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, if I, wasn't in, yeah, yeah, yeah. if I wasn't getting in, I don't think you'd see Brad's head. He'd be sort of like right, right back, not knowing what's going on. 
And it's interesting because this season, when you have done so well in four man and, and, and two man as well, you know, first of all, it's like, oh, we got a medal. But secondly, what you're really, really proud of is getting the fastest or the second fastest start. And that's clearly something that from what you're explaining, you've really worked on to because that's where the, you know, let's, let's not be silly. As long as they drive well, which we know Brad can do, you know, if you can get that fast start, you've already given yourself a massive advantage. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as brakeman, obviously the pilot's job is to get you down. But um, although there's four of you pushing, whenever you see that start time, brakemen sort of take it on their shoulders that it's the three guys that are pushing. Um, and to have that sort of pride to know that potentially as a crew, you are the best pushing crew in the world is pretty special. Um, and Bob says a sport that goes down to hundred, like hundreds, thousands of seconds. So if you can give your everything on that start, that extra hundred from the start can mean a lot of the bottom. What do you know about the track in Beijing? It's a track that you won't have visited before. And how long does it take a crew, a team to get used to that track? Well, so we have, we went out to the Beijing test event. Um, so we have all been to the track before, but we only had a two man sled out there. Um, so we haven't actually, Brad hasn't actually got to driven four man out there and we haven't actually got to load as a crew sort of in there. But um, the track is, it's pretty special. I mean, when you when you see it, it's it's something like no other track you've ever seen. Um, but the corners and things, they're quite big, long, sweeping corners. So um, if you were to like, you can't really compare it to like, say, a track like Altenburg, which is mega fast. There's big pressures there. This is quite a, a long, not slow track, but it's just, it's quite gentle, um, especially as Brakeman in the back. You don't really get thrown around a lot. So, I mean, yeah, um, Altenburg, Winterberg, stuff like that. Once you've sort of done three or four runs, you start feeling it. But in this one, you could do four, five, six and still quite enjoy the ride. And it's interesting because Jules and I were talking about it yesterday. Beijing at the moment doesn't have a lot of snow, but I guess for an ice sport, that's not really something you need to consider. You guys are all happy with with where you're going and the competition will be as, as it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the track in Beijing, most of it is sort of built, um, if you've seen like the Segalda track, there's like a sort of cover and um, the whole sort of track is built inside. So in terms of that, I mean, the track should be like perfect for all of us. And a special thing about here is they've actually got a big indoor warm-up facility. So normally in every other track, you're warming up in a frozen car park or um, a bit of concrete somewhere. But here they've got purpose-built indoor uh, warm-up area, which is which is obviously amazing. Um and it's going to make all the difference, especially if it's going to be sort of like your good sort of minus five to 10 temperatures out there. Keep yourself nice and warm. So it's going to be strange warming up in sort of a vest and T-shirt to then come out and it's obviously going to be super cold. But we're all, uh, we, we can't wait. For you yourself, you're joining a sport or you're part of a sport that has fantastic traditions with the military. You know, Sean Olsen from the army was a, was a winner at of an, an Olympic medal a few years ago. Then, of course, it was John Jackson and Stu Benson. What's it like being part of this military setup, a sport from the military that seems to have invested itself in bobsleigh? Do you know what? It's, it's awesome to see all these people that have come before us. And it just, especially as a military athlete, it just gives you that sort of drive and that kick. And obviously, I speak to, I speak to John Jackson quite a bit and Sean Olsen. Um, and they, they sort of give me their insights into what it was like and what to expect. But having that military background um, definitely brings that bit of pride. Um, and especially this year, going to have uh, a Royal Marine and a Parachute Regiment soldier. That's going to be pretty special um, in that sled. 
Does it give you an edge? Does it does it give you as an athlete a little bit extra being from the military? Do you know what? I I think it definitely does, just because you've got that that little bit more, or I like to think anyway, we've just got that little bit more pride and the way you carry yourself and you're representing yourself and your country and your military as well. It's just it's it's special. Now, you mentioned, of course, um, yourself as a Royal Marine and, and Nick as the Parachute Regiment. So you've got two of the services um, represented there. But interestingly, we've just heard in the last day or so that um, Jamaica will qualify for the four-man event, which means Shan Stevens from the RAF. So we'll have a, a, triple, a triple whammy out there in Beijing. How pleased are you that... Um, a, that someone like Shan is going to be competing because he's quite a character, but also from a... From a bobsleigh point of view as well, the whole cool runnings thing, we, we everyone knows the history in the film so well and they associate it. It's often people's first run-in with bobsleigh is, is the film Cool Runnings. Um, so Shan living up to that kind of Jamaican dream, um, you know, it'll be so good to see him out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be good to see, obviously, the trifecta of the services being, um, being showcased um, at such a global level. And yeah, obviously Shannon's going to be going there with a sort of cool run-ins theme behind him, which is but every, everyone knows about cool run-ins and, and loves to get behind Bob Slay. Um, obviously, it's nice to sort of um, like hopefully he can sort of start to create a new narrative um, and just bring a lot more publicity and a lot more people to the sport because that's that's the main thing you want to inspire people to get involved in Bob Slay, every single nation, every single military service and non-military service. So it's just going to be good to have everyone everyone represented there. I know that Shan, as part of his training, was pushing a mini around. <laughs> as part of your training, have you ever found yourself doing something that you've perhaps questioned? You were pulling a red arrow, weren't you, a couple of summers ago? You know what? I completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah pulling a red arrow. That's quite normal. Oh, yeah, that's quite normal to, to yank a red arrow around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's the most... Uh, that's the most unique type of training that we've ever done. Um, but I can't say we'll be going back to do that anytime soon because it was actually a lot harder than it looked. <laughs> that was fun, watching them pull a red arrow at RAF Scampton. Um, that was, was some time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, that was summer of 20... Well, so late summer 2020. Um, and it's something they... Again, I think Taylor's very aware of trying to promote bobsleigh because, again, it's not a... It is a funded sport, but they're always looking for more funding, if that makes sense. Um, and he's, he's very aware of that. Well, it's a sport that really only catches the public imagination every four years at the Winter Olympics. But so many people seem to have a little dabble in it, don't they? A lot of track and field, a lot of these power athletes do sort of end up having at least a play in the bobsleigh. I just wonder if you were allowed to go down with a hot water bottle, you'd get more people taking part. Well, that's all I had to say on that. Well, your, your deadly gaze back at me... <laughs> Said everything. I was just thinking where the hot water bottle would fit because it doesn't sound like there's a lot of room in that bobsleigh, Jules. Mm, um, good, point, good point, well presented. Blowers, that, then, if they had blowers. Blowers, maybe. I'd melt the ice on the way down. So Taylor had so many wonderful things to say and he goes on to talk about how he deals with elite competition but how close all the teams are as well. So it's no surprise when it's quite a niche sport and they spend half the year travelling around the World Cup circuit together. He also reveals what his teammates are like as roommates. And I'm not going to tell you, but no guessing which ones are neat and tidy. So it's worth a visit to the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube, where you can see the full half-hour in interview with Taylor Lawrence. Um, more winter sports. It's a very jam-packed winter sports show this week. Um, 
In international sport, we saw the first ever World Cup gold medal for a British alpine skier in the slalom. Dave Riding, at 35 years old, won on the track in Kitzbühel. And of course, he'll be competing in Beijing. He as doesn't well. look like an elite athlete, does he? <laughs> he looks more like a geography teacher that somehow stumbled onto the slopes and is quite good at skiing. I think you could say that about quite a lot of the British winter athletes because we're just not, it's almost looks incongruous to be part of that environment. Um, but yeah, he's, there's a lovely piece on him telling, telling the world how he managed to train and become the country's best, but, but not living in snow. I think he was, um, I mean, trained, 35, did some training in Scotland. Yeah, 35 sounds old, but I remember Alberto Tomba, the Italian, who was really good at slalom. He was quite old as well, wasn't he? So mid-30s, mid, mid to late 30s must be the age where you get really good at slalom. So, I think this will be his fourth Olympics. Um, I, I, I'd I struggle to see him making a fifth, but, you know, mm. Steve Redgrave and people like that. So it does happen. Um other sports jewels, I mean, cricket's a bit all over the place, isn't it? The England women were beaten by nine wickets in their first ODI of the Ashes series. And then they got to 24 for no loss when the rain came in. The second game and the third game was abandoned. So not a great start for the women's Ashes out there in Australia. But slightly better news in the T20 cricket in uh, in the West Indies for the England men. Although they were a bit of a shambles in the first First game, they did then win by one run. Dramatic finish. Did you see that last night? I, I'd given up because at, at one point yeah. in their reply, West Indies were 70-something for seven. So I thought, oh, well done, England. So I switched off. And then to find out later that it had only been a one-run win, I was slightly taken aback. But well done. Well done to England. And here's something that may catch, catch you by surprise. Joe Root has been <laughs> named the ICC Test Player of the Year. Was it just Mr. and Mrs. Root, his parents voting? <laughs> How has that happened? I mean, no disrespect to Joe, but because aside great, aside from the team's performance, especially in the most recent Ashes, mm. he averaged sixty-one in fifteen tests in two thousand one, one thousand seven hundred eight runs, third most in a calendar game. He got two double centuries and four more hundreds on top of that. So I just I just wanted to hear you read out some stats. That's all <laughs> no. I wanted, and I had them as I do. Um, yeah, yeah, and I made a note of them this morning. But um, that that of course continues, and so do the women in Australia. Um, tennis Aussie Open continues. Obviously, not any. British interest in the singles, but Joe Salisbury remains in the men's doubles, and Gordon Reed and Alfie Hewitt, of course, continue in the wheelchair doubles. Um, and there was, I, it's it's not often I watch horse racing, but I did see Shishkin win at um, Ascot oh, yesterday. Oh, oh. Only because it's a Nicky Henderson horse, and oh, having yes. had that link with Seven Barrows uh, last year, and they meet again at Cheltenham Shishkin. Shishkin. in seven weeks. Now, Jules, you'll be at the Army Royal Navy Rugby League in the second round of the Challenge Cup next Saturday, the 29th of January. That'll be an Aldershot, so you can um, you can get yourselves down there if you fancy a game of Rugby League. It's like a bonus into services. And Jules, you and John will be keeping our audience updated on the radio. That's the plan. That's the plan. Um, and you've got a week off next week, haven't you? You've got one of your, <laughs> one of your many holidays a year. This time you shall be skiing doing your best Dave Riding impression 
going down the slopes. Is that right? I, well, I don't want to disappoint anyone. I'm, I'm not competing. I doubt I'll even make the sponsors race this year. But yes, I, um, Jules and I will be apart next week. I will be in the French Alps in Maribel. First time I've travelled for abroad for a couple of years. So that's that's a, mm. a logistical nightmare in itself. But um, yeah, the Inter-Services Snow Sports Championships begin on, well, the opening ceremony is next Sunday and then the, the races start on the Monday and run till the Friday. You're driving over? We are driving over, yes, mm. a team of four. We have um, two newbies, but um, the ever-reliable Lewis Bartley cameraman will be there by my side as well. So, Well, if you see Looking a BFPS car driving at the same speed that our bobsley riders go, then um, <laughs> that'll be Kath behind the wheel making her way to France for Mirabel. Well, I'm I'm just keen to get there for the raclette cheese, if I'm honest with you, Jules. Are yeah, they playing? I travel a long way for cheese. I travel a long way for cheese. Um now, uh, I know you'll miss me, Jules, but yes, I won't. I will be joining you on the airways next week, but I shall be several hundred miles away. But you can keep up with all that's happening in Maribel and in Aldershot next weekend. Just go to forces.net for the latest military sports news. That's it from us from Forces Sport this week. But as ever, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you have any sports stories of your own or any personalities that we have missed off the list. Remember, you can get in touch by emailing us at forcesport at bfbs.com. Our ever-growing back catalogue of conversations with our military sporting stars can be found on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. Taylor will be added as soon as I can this week. And of course, you can listen back to all the weekly forces sport programs at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcast thanks for listening Jules, are, you going thanks. To, are you going to yodel yodel us out get him get into it's france not switzerland or Austria. can you not can you not yodel yodel see you next week